0: Wonderful to see everyone. Hopefully everyone's doing well. We're continuing our study in the book of 2 Timothy. So go ahead and turn with me there, if you would. And we'll read chapter 1, like we usually do. So, chapter 1, 2 Timothy, starting in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I reminded you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Pyjellas and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant mercy, or may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. So I believe we left off in verse, or we finished up with verse twelve last week. Can anybody remind me of the last couple of weeks uh, of that? Those of you who are here of anything we've talked about. We've kind of been going through verses 9 up to 12. I didn't even remember anything we talked about or what those verses are saying there.
1: Go ahead, Hattie. Um We talked about
0: how
2: we're ashamed, Paul wasn't ashamed of being in prison because it was just God's work, and that mm-hmm. um, others shouldn't be ashamed of their
0: leaders. Mm-hmm. So, uh, serving God in that. Yeah, we know at this time that Paul is in prison uh, for his faith, and that's when, when he writes this letter to Timothy, he's in prison, and he's telling, urging Timothy not to be ashamed of him, as others have been ashamed of him, um, because he's chained up and in prison, but he wasn't in prison for anything, any crime that he committed. He was in prison uh, on account of his faith. So, yeah, we talked about that. Anything else? Justin? Yeah, we
1: talked a good bit last week about that phrase there,
0: uh, what I've entrusted to him, he's able to guard until that day, mm-hmm. the whole doctrine of the...
1: Permanence of our salvation, way that we yeah. can't lose it once we're really converted.
0: Yeah, we talked about uh, eternal security as it's sometimes referred to and that we are eternally secure in Christ um, and in God, we are in His hand and it is His will that Jesus should lose none of them and uh, we went over many verses. We talked at uh, the end of Romans 8 there which just gives you an abundance of reason to believe that you cannot lose your salvation, um, that all those who God begins with in eternity past are those who God ends with in eternity future Um, So we talked a great deal about that, and it's a very encouraging doctrine for me, and it brings me a lot of peace to know that it's not dependent upon me holding on to God, it's dependent upon God holding on to me, Um, and so that's that's really the difference there. So we talked a great deal about that last uh, last week, so anybody else have anything that we talked about in the recent weeks by way of review? Okay, we'll go ahead and uh, keep going then. We'll pick up here in verse 13. he says, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, thus guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So remember, the main reasons Paul is writing this letter to Timothy uh, is to encourage him and remind him to live out his calling faithfully. And again, as we just discussed previously, we know Paul's imprisoned at this time, and this imprisonment is a little different than his first imprisonment. He's not really, he's suspecting that he's not going to make it out of this imprisonment and that this might be... Uh, towards the end of his life. And so he really wants to uh, have Timothy take over after him and be kind of his successor, if you will, and pass the baton to Timothy so he can carry on what Paul has established. And so he wants Timothy to follow all of the teaching that he has passed down to him, which in large part is the gospel, uh, which he summarized uh, in, these, in these recent verses that we talked about, where he called us to a holy calling not because of our works, but because of our purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light the gospel. So he really summarizes the gospel there, and this is what Paul has imparted to Timothy and taught Timothy. And so he's urging Timothy to be a gospel man. And he says that he says this because there are many who uh, hear faithful teaching uh, but do not faithfully follow that teaching. And later on in this letter that he um, in 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4 3 and 4. He says, "For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths." And so there was a great deal of that in that age, and really in, in every age of people who no longer want to um, hold the sound doctrine, but are uh, deceived and led astray into uh, myths or false teaching. He's saying, "There's coming a time in your ministry where some people will grow tired of hearing what you have to say." Uh, They will abandon sound teaching uh, in search of something new, something that tickles their ears, something that is less offensive, something that is more popular. Um, This is what you're going to face in your ministry. And do we see this kind of thing still today? Yeah, we very much see this thing today. What are some common ideas uh, or myths or teachings uh, that lead people away from sound doctrine today that you can think of? of What's that? The word of faith. Word of faith. Kind of the name Name and claim, claim uh, yeah, prosperity kind of all goes along with that, the prosperity gospel um, that, you know, come to Jesus and everything's going to be taken care of. You're going to be uh, healthy and wealthy and not have to worry about anything. This is something that a lot of people get led into Um, because why would you want to go, why would you want to follow the religion that promises persecution and promises suffering when I can go follow this religion that's going to promise me health, wealth, and prosperity? Um, So many people get led astray to, to that form of false teaching. Anything else? Go ahead.
1: Yeah, one that I see like tons of young people being led astray and like the whole like deconstructing thing. Um, is the like Disney gospel of follow your heart. I mean, that seems mm-hmm. to be really what's deceiving young people just in mass right now, including like young people that grew up in churches like this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if my heart tells me I'm this identity or if my heart tells me this or that, that's the true me to follow that. You mm-hmm. um, seems like it's just decimating young people
0: yeah that's definitely a large push today is to follow your heart do whatever you desire um which obviously scripture teaches that the heart is deceitful above all else who can understand it so uh that's not good advice at all but yeah many young people um i think are following that pattern it's kind of the mantra of today's age but go ahead you have some I think like
2: society and of Martin, uh they're probably
1: going back to the advice right? you know like you talked about maybe one of your previous lessons the peter thought our high view of god or of man like I know you're talking about that on an individual basis, but society at large is basically like a very high view of ourselves and love we've So mm-hmm. it seems like all the theology, all the doctrine is centered around God must want me to be happy and fulfill myself. It kind of goes along with what the has But it starts with just really not understanding our relationship to God. It seems like that's probably been trending that way for years now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just more and more of an abandonment from God and, and a man centered religion. Go ahead.
2: God's love and forgiving, and loving, and he wouldn't want anyone to go to hell. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: So you're just minimizing it. Mm-hmm. And justice mm-hmm. so how is Yeah, yeah. Just kind of the ignoring of, of sin and, and what that uh, results in. And, and judgment that comes is, is definitely something that people try to um, get away from. Are there anything else? Anybody had? Yeah, so one of the ones I had, that was the prosperity gospel. We talked about that. Another one uh, is kind of philosophy. I think this is um, something that leads a lot of people astray. Just this a need to be make it more intellectual than, than uh, what the scriptures is, or read into it a different meaning than what is there. Um, this obsession with philosophy, I think, is something that would have been prevalent in that day and age, too, um, in, in this time period that we're talking in. Uh, with the Greek philosophy was a big thing then, and so that would have been something that I sure as a preacher would have been a temptation to kind of teach in that form or that manner. So to so as to appease all those who wanted to hear that kind of thing. Uh, another one is kind of contemporary Christianity, and that's kind of what we we've talked a little bit about this. But this kind of the need to update Christianity um, to be more relevant and to uh, be more hip and more cool. I think this is something that uh, leads a lot of younger people astray. Because again, why would I want to sit uh, in, in a sermon where we preach the Word of God and around a bunch of old people when, when I can listen to this guy in, in skinny jeans who dresses like me with sneakers, uh, be super funny and cool and hip, and then have a rock concert during the, the sermon? I would much rather go to that than I would uh, listen to the Word of God preach. And this is something I think leads a lot of young people astray. Another one would be woke theology. I don't know if you... I'm sure you've seen much of this lately. Um, it's going to be very um, deceptive. Just this idea that uh, the God of the Bible is, is a racist God. He's a sexist God, and he, um, you know, all those things we taught back in the day. Well, that was for that time period. But we've we've kind of you know we're up to date now, and God needs to get with the times. He's changed his mind on all these things. You know, you kind of hear that thing being pushed um, throughout Christianity, if you want to call it that, today. Anybody else think of anything else before we move on? There's a lot, of, a lot of different ways that we can be led away from sound doctrine. And so Paul is saying to Timothy, uh, do not become one of these teachers who give way to these lies and fall into these snares. And you, Timothy, are faithfully are too faithfully stand upon the truths of the gospel and to proclaim these truths. Now, you do not have the freedom to tamper with it. You do not have the freedom to change it or to customize it uh, so that it is more palatable to you or to those who you are teaching it to. You have to be faithful to what you have been taught. And again, this is not just a warning to Timothy, uh, but it is a warning to pastors and preachers today who have, like we've already talked about, so much, uh, so many temptations uh, to move away from sound doctrine and to preach that which the world wants to hear. When people, you know, you have all kinds of different people come into your congregation, you wonder, you know, what's their worldview on this? And you you probably, I'm sure you can relate to this better than anyone because you're the only pastor here, but... uh, it's probably a temptation to want to try to appeal to everybody there and uh, make everybody happy and uh, suit everybody and um, what they are designed to hear, and so you have to remain faithful to the Lord. And so we should be praying for our pastors. I think that they would remain faithful to the world and to the word in such a difficult time where there's a temptation to be led astray. And this, uh, go ahead.
1: Uh, just real quick, something. I've, it took me a while to discover this, but you can like. Also, be a false teacher by just neglecting to teach on certain things. Mm-hmm. you know like if you never teach or talk about hell or never talk about you know gender issues, you know you might not come right out and say false teaching but by never talking about them you're like functionally a false teacher you know what I'm mm-hmm. say? like it took me a while to figure that out but if you're not like trying to you know, trying to do the whole counsel of God making that your goal, you can kind of inadvertently become a false teacher by avoiding all the topics that bother people even if you're saying true stuff in other areas mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so just kind of keep that in mind that false teachers are not just those who are coming out and saying like oh, jesus isn't god or something like that but if they consistently avoid ever talking about the stuff that culture is like not into for all intents and purposes they're also false teachers that
0: mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. That's a very good point too. Um, you're just simply going to teach on the things that everybody wants to hear—the love of God, the grace of God, you know, the cross. You know, most people are—they're fine with hearing that. But if you teach on sin, judgment, or um, you know, some of the issues that the world doesn't like today, um, if you continue to fail, or you fail to teach and touch on those issues, then yeah, you're also um, a false teacher as well. So that's a good point. Um, so, of course, uh, this isn't just a warning for pastors, though, either. This is a warning for for every Christian, I think, um, because we should all be trying to have influence on other people in our lives, whether it be your family or your friends, you know, maybe, maybe your children, maybe your siblings, maybe even your parents you're trying to have an influence on, uh, that you should be teaching others. Even if you're not formally teaching or preaching the Word, you still, in some sense, are or should be teaching it to others. And so you have to have sound doctrine. You need to be faithful to the Word, and not be led astray as well. So how do we do this? How do we follow the patterns of sound words that we have heard? Any thoughts on that? What are the best ways to, to stay um, sound in our doctrine and not be led astray? All right, go ahead. I think I'm thankful for my one.
2: God gave me a lot of scripture. that when I memorized as a kid, it with me I, now. I have to keep <laughs> your yeah. and your favorite favorite. but I'm just I can't tell you how many
1: times that I, I think my friends that word you know in the situation don't know like what to do but a verse comes to mind you know I
2: mean at the moment and so I just I pray that it's the Holy Spirit but you know it helps to have it in there for him to use when you need it
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a great way storing the word up in your heart memorizing the word of God is a very useful and beneficial um, thing to do a very fruitful thing to do I think I, I've started doing this myself over the last year or so starting to memorize scripture like each week doing one and it's been very helpful there's things that come to mind um in times where you're, you're having questions of something what do you do here well i know the scripture says this but you know if you don't know that if you just only know the word of god when you're reading it um, then in those times when you don't have the word of god with you uh, you're not going to really have as much i guess advice given to you by the holy spirit through that word in your in your mind um, so it's,
1: 'Cause mm-hmm. I can maybe go back, create, read, and look up an answer, but I can't get back to
0: another conversation where maybe I can use Yeah. someone else. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely very, very useful. It's a good point. Yeah, then I think
2: the nine reports number two is this steady to show yourself approved to God away from to move. It's by the word of truth. So it's not something that you can kind of uh do periodically or occasionally, once in a while, mm-hmm. it should be that be diligent. Mm-hmm. You know, it should be, you know, it should have a, a pattern, it should have uh, some consistency. I think that's where we fall short sure because sometimes our personal devotions, our church attendance, and other things come in, and then mm-hmm. we do things, you know, as and when you know, mm-hmm. we have time. You can study the word of God. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. We have to meditate on it day and night. We have to be continuous, uh, continuously pouring ourselves into the Word and learning it and having it just kind of uh, absorb our thinking. So, is there any other hands? Go ahead, Kathy. I think there is a part of it all that communicating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more you can communicate throughout the day with the Lord, it keeps you finding perspective again. And I think
2: your spirit works.
0: Yeah, yeah, prayer. Yeah, prayer is definitely uh, an essential part of this as well. That the praying constantly that the Lord would would lead you away from any false teaching or uh, unsound doctrine and help you to illuminate you to what the Word truly teaches. Anything else? Yeah, this past week I saw
2: something which was interesting. A person said, How many times do we look at our phone every day? And mm-hmm. so he said that. If you take the phone, possibly you could put some verses on your screen. So time <laughs> you take the phone, at least, you have scripture staring at you. And I mm-hmm. found it quite interesting because, you know, I, I can't think of it. How many times you look at your screen? We're talking on TV, yeah. and we talk about the phone. The number of times you look at your screen, every day. Mm-hmm. So if you have a verse, a verse staring at you constantly, at least, you know, even if you don't have <coughs> time, have something to
0: think about mm-hmm. every minute or whatever. Yeah, actually, interesting, interesting. And a helpful little thing there to get your mind on the right things. Or so maybe you just tape versus all of our TV screens, so we don't watch. <laughs> <matter of> that <laughs> I guess we'll do that. Um, yeah. So those are all uh, great ways, I think, to to stay sound in doctrine. I have here just uh, that we need to read the Bible, we need to study the Bible, we need to learn the Bible, we have to know the contents of the scriptures, because that is the source of sound doctrine, and, and nowhere else are you going to find sound doctrine, so we have to go to the source of it and, uh, and learn from that. We need to listen to the Bible uh, preached, I think is important. If you look here in verse 13, he says, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Uh, so, meaning that Paul has communicated these truths to Timothy, and this is how God works. He uses his people to communicate his word um, to others. Have you ever heard someone say um, that, you know, they don't need to go to church. It's just kind of them and their Bible, and, they don't really, and I don't really need to learn from somebody else. I can get what I need from the Bible uh, myself. Well, that's a very dangerous way of thinking and not how God intended it to be. Uh, God has designed things in a way that we are to teach his word to others so that they may learn and teach others also. And it's just a continual cycle and repeats itself. Um, so be very um, careful of thinking that you can just learn everything you need to learn on your own. Uh, from the Word of God. And then also, maybe most importantly, we need to submit to the Bible and make the Bible your ultimate authority. And we kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, but you know, you let the Bible tell you what is true, not the world. You let the Bible tell you what is true, not your teachers. You let the Bible tell you what is true, not scientists or politicians or, or celebrities, whatever it is. You go on and on of these people or, or um Jobbed, whatever that have a tremendous amount of influence on people and the way they shape their thinking. Uh, We must understand that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God, and that uh, God decides what is true and what is good and what is evil. We don't decide that; the world doesn't decide that. And when the Bible says that there are specific roles for women and for men, and they are, and it is good that it is that way, it's not unequal. It doesn't make one more or one less than we believe what the Bible says about that. We don't. Take what the world would say about that and say that's unfair, that's unequal, uh, that's the most horrible thing you could ever tell somebody. Uh, we have to believe what the Bible teaches. And when the world tells you that uh, the world was created through evolution, uh, we don't believe that because we believe that the Bible, what the Bible teaches, that God spoke the world into existence. And uh, we don't try to fit evolution then into the Bible. We simply let the Word of God uh, say what it says and, and have that as our ultimate authority that um, leads us. Um, and keeps us um, with sound doctrine so any other comments or questions on uh, any of this before we move on Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Um, i was i was thinking too that it's helpful for me when if you could just take time to listen mm-hmm. because sometimes you know you're going throughout your day and maybe you become anxious and then it's like you could continue in that where it's like being anxious for now Like okay I don't really mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. but if we just keep going about our day and we're not really listening to the spirit i think you Miss the things that he's trying to tell us. You know, maybe I'm getting ready to say something
0: that would be headline. It wouldn't be encouraging. It's like, okay, just listen to the Spirit. It's like he's trying to tell me something. So I just need
2: that.
0: Theory. Yeah, that conviction that kind of comes yeah, up exactly. with you along the day. Yeah, go ahead.
2: Uh, another
1: thing, like when a congregation is willing to like respectfully challenge their preachers and teachers when they hear something that's not biblical, that's like super helpful and vital. Um, it's happened a few times in this congregation that you know after I had preached something, one of you has come to me and said, "I don't think that verse actually means what you said it means," mm-hmm. um, and you know it's forced me to go back and stuff, and that's been helpful. And when there's that like back and forth, we've got pastors and preachers and teachers trying to teach the Bible, the congregation also holding them to account. That's a really really healthy environment. Mm-hmm. But either party like fails you
0: can pretty easily go off off the rails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, that's that's having the Bible as your ultimate authority, right? Not not just believing whatever your pastor says is is true, um, but going to the scriptures and seeing if what he has said is consistent with it. And then you know having that relationship to be able to challenge them like in a loving way, of course, and not being overbearing and you know abrasive about it. But uh, be honest, say I don't know that that's what that that says there. Yeah, that's a very healthy way of of keeping that sound doctrine as well. Anything else? Okay, so then in verse fourteen, um, he says, "By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you." So, what do you think this good deposit is that he's talking about here? Any thoughts on that? Faith. Faith. Yeah, I think it, it definitely encompasses that. I think uh, I think it's really talking about everything that the Lord has graciously given to Timothy. Uh, this would include his salvation, as well as his call to the ministry, as well as the gifts that have been given to him. All of this is really the good deposit that has been given to Timothy. And he's telling uh, Timothy to guard that good deposit, saying everything the Lord has deposited to you, you need to be faithful and guard it and use that uh, to which the Lord has given you. In, in Luke twelve forty-eight, you're familiar with this verse, it says, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. And so, you know, to whom much is given, much is required. Timothy had been given much, and there was much that the Lord required of him um, in response to that, and that can be said about, you know, anyone who has simply uh, received salvation. If you have been given salvation, you have been given much. You have been given the most important thing that anybody can ever be given, and so there is now much required of you uh, to learn about the one who gave you that salvation and to share about him uh, with other people, and so what are some things that we, what are some other things that we have been given that really require much of us? And it might be different for some people who have been given more in one area than another or whatever, or given where you live or something like that. But what are some different things that, that you know that we've been given, we've been blessed with, um, that really require much of us? Anybody think of anything? Go ahead. Children? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. That's definitely a, a, a large blessing and gift that requires a lot from you. I'm not a parent, so I can't speak of that specifically, but I, I know that it takes a lot out of you, and uh, there's a lot that's entrusted to you to raise those children, to teach them the Word of God, to teach them you know wisdom, and to raise them up in the way they should go. So yeah, that's definitely one. Anything else? No. Just
2: the freedom to gather together, and through God's Word, and
1: how important mm-hmm. that is that we're here mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you, know, you have freedom to, to gather together and go to church, and so not everybody has that freedom, even in today's world. And so we shouldn't take that for granted. We should take advantage of that and, and come as often as we can and learn as often as we can. Anything else? Go ahead, Ben. I think uh, when we get
2: to uh, Christian ministry, the way we get Christian ministry, how to give an account to call something so whatever one, Whatever you in the local church, how to be faithful in Mm hmm. Ensuring that mm-hmm. you have know, been the best. I wouldn't stand before God someday. So, it's you know, so all part of the faithfulness. Paul uses the term steward. Mm hmm. In uh, some other places, so you should treat it like you are steward. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you have to be faithful in your ministry for sure. Anything else? I would, I would just say that I have to get my Bible and get the teaching that I've received. Now it's my
2: responsibility
0: to mm-hmm. teach other. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really, like education would be one, and education, particularly in in terms of the, the Bible that you've been I mean, you've been given this uh, teaching. God's blessed you with this grace in your life, and you have a responsibility to teach that to other people. Not just keep that to yourself, right? So, favorite one my favorite verses, in why
1: my head's in flames.
0: It overflows. Yeah. And when I tell it to people, I use that. Yeah, that You Mhm. it out of you. Yep. Anything else?
1: Go ahead. Yeah, Another thing to keep in mind, like, the gifts, skills, abilities that God's given you, those are not, it's like not an accident. Mm-hmm. So if you've got mechanical skills, or uh, you can play the piano, or whatever, you know, God gave you those as part, to love your neighbor, serve your church. Mm-hmm. And I think being a good steward just thinking, like, how can I
0: use these to bless our congregation, bless our world, mm-hmm. um, because it wasn't an accident if you have mm-hmm. skills, gifts, abilities, that's yeah. Fine. Yeah, God's given every single one of us, I think, uh, talents, each unique to our, ourselves, but um, they're given to us for a reason to be able to serve Him and glorify Him by using those talents. Go ahead, Kenny. blessing being part of His kingdom, of His family, that it's not just one local congregation,
2: that when people go to different places, you know, finding those Christians is just a blessing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand that you know it's not churches around the world, and building our church, and we should love our, church. you know, all our brothers in the mm-hmm. Lord. You know, it's a blessing that you can just travel and meet and these people feel like they have a connection.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is definitely a blessing to. We should
2: love like as
0: understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're be an encouragement to them too when we when we come in and see them. anybody else have anything? Ben.
1: I think about that word deposit, which it is with everything that was mentioned. It's, it's you you look at what words are used in scripture. you didn't just choose words out of out of random. It's a deposit. As if we put a deposit in the bank, it's there and it's safe. You know, it's safer if you give me ten thousand dollars. It's not as safe as if we put it into an institution that's locked up. These gifts that, that are given to us for good,
0: we'll mm-hmm. in and we to use them. Mm-hmm. For. Yeah. yeah, they've been intentionally given to us to and de- deposited into us um, to be used for good. So, go ahead.
1: Uh, I hope I don't steal your thunder, but I think the guarding here is connected back to verse 12 where he says, mm-hmm. uh, were you, you intending to talk about
0: that? Um, maybe in part? I don't know. Go ahead. What do you have to say?
1: But just last week, we talked about how he was able to guard until that have yeah. been so God is guarding our salvation. He's you know, guarding us until we make it safely to heaven. But now the question becomes, are we going to guard that which God has entrusted to us? You know, the gospel, the Bible, all the things we talked about. So, you know, God's going to be faithful, but, you know, it sort of shines light on, are we going to be faithful and guarding what
0: is going to trust us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still have a responsibility to, to guard and, and use that which God has given to us. So that's a good point. Yeah, some other things that... Um, we've been given to require much of us is, as some of us have been given much time. Um, and we've kind of talked about TV, so no more watching TV, apparently. Um, <laughs> so we have to, well, this is convicting me, I guess. I can't watch TV anymore. But um, we have to use our time wisely. Um, you know, we don't want to, we got to think of things, you know, kind of in that eternal perspective of what truly matters, what um, is going to have an impact um, into eternity and not just for the here and now. So we have to use our time Wisely, if you've been given much time, um, you need not to waste that on silly things. Health. Some of us have been given um, good health. And if you have been given good physical health, you need to be serving others who maybe haven't been given that good physical health. Um, family relationships. We kind of talked about this. Um, but if you've been blessed with this with this family um, and um, these good relationships that can help build you and, and uh, you can learn from, uh, then you need to, again, Pass that on to others. Uh, talents, we've talked about that. Education, we kind of talked about that. Resources uh, would be another one. I mean, think of all the uh, resources that are at your fingertips Having, you know, being here in the United States. Now, some of, I know some of you didn't grow up in the United States, but you're here now, and we have a tremendous amount of resources uh, where we are to be able to learn the Word of God. For one, you have the Bible in your own language, and not everybody has the Bible in their own language. You have that, and so you should be thankful for that. You should be trying to learn that uh, we have an innumerable amount of commentaries at your fingertips to be able to help you understand the Bible and learn the Bible. You can have access to all kinds of different ministries online to listen to sermons, to listen to podcasts, again, to help you understand the Word of God. And so we need to use those resources. Those have been given to us for a purpose. Again, they can be some of these resources, like the Internet and whatnot, can be used in not-so-good ways. Um, so you have to be wise, but also uh, they've been given to us that they can be used for our benefit, so we should be uh, using those um, because, again, all of these things have been given to us, so they require much of us. So uh, these are all some things that some of us have been, you know, given more than others. Nevertheless, I'm sure that at least some of these gifts I mentioned you have been given, and you must guard the good deposit just as Timothy needed to. So, how are we to do this then? And he says how we are to do this. Well, we are to do this by the help of the Holy Spirit. Paul kind of recognizes that what he has just commanded Timothy uh, is not something that he can do in and of himself or of his own power. It is something that necessitates the help of the Holy Spirit. And we've been, uh, if you've been coming to church, you know we've been going through a study on the Holy Spirit. Pastor Tim has been leading us through that. Really, the, uh, the role that the Spirit has in your life, um, how you walk by the Spirit, how not to quench the spirit, and it's been very helpful and encouraging. So I'd encourage you to, to go back and listen to some of those if you weren't there. Um, and this is one of the many roles that the spirit has, which is guarding the good deposit uh, that the Lord has given to you. Without the Spirit's help, we would we would most certainly squander the gift of salvation. We would most certainly squander uh, the gifts that we have been given here. And again, we've we talked about that in connection with verse twelve as well. That you know that was talking about guarding the um, the faith that had been entrusted to Timothy and your salvation being secure. Uh, we made a reference verse last week uh, to Ephesians 1, 13, 14, that in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Uh, so the Spirit is sealing you and, and guarding you, and he's the guarantee of your inheritance. I talked about that. And so he is also helping guard this good deposit entrusted to you. And without that help, again, we would most certainly lose that which has been entrusted to us. Um and so um and we can trust um that we will be granted this help by the spirit because he says the spirit dwells within you if you are a believer. So why would God make a temple, make us a temple of the Holy Spirit, and then not give us the things, um give us these things that he promises through his spirit? You know, it's not as though God just needed a place for his spirit to stay or needed some shelter for his spirit, like he has given you the spirit uh so that he can give you the fruits of the spirit. All right, so uh, that's very important, too, is to recognize this and, and to walk by the Spirit. Again, this is in connection with what we've been talking about uh, through our sermons the last couple of weeks. So any comments, questions on any of that? Okay, so then we'll move on to um, verse 15, then. He says, You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygeos and Hermogenes. So in order to warn Timothy that if he remains faithful to the gospel and uh, teaches sound doctrine, he's going to have many who would disagree with him and turn away from him. In order to remind him of that, uh, Paul reminds him of those who have abandoned him. And he says, all those who are in Asia turned away from me. And so when he says Asia, don't think like the modern-day continent of Asia, like the massive continent. Asia in that day was kind of a small Roman province that would have been located in like modern-day Turkey. So it's much smaller than what Asia is today. It's not the same thing there. Um, and I'm sure that he isn't meaning that every single person, every single individual in Asia turned away from him, but that a very large number of them did. And then he goes on to mention two of them by name. He mentions Phygelus and Hermogenes. And uh, not much is known, really, about these two individuals. This is the only place where they are mentioned in the entire Bible, and... Um, and by the way, what a, what a way to get your name into the Bible by, by being known as somebody who's been unfaithful. It's not exactly how you want to be remembered. Uh, but nevertheless, that's how these guys got in. And um, so be sure not to name any of your kids after these two either. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean you should name your kid that. Uh, I'm not sure that you would want to anyway because they're kind of strange names. But um, uh, it's suspected that these two were probably well-known individuals who Timothy would have been well aware of. Again, that's why he brings them up. Um, and it's also possible that they were ministers themselves, uh, which might be why Paul felt the need to call them out specifically. Um, any guesses to why they, along with the others in Asia, would have abandoned Paul? Anything that you think might give reason to why they abandoned him? You know, yeah, certainly influence of the world. You know,
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it could possibly be because Paul's in chains right now, and they see that he's in chains and um, either don't want to be in chains himself or just ashamed of him because they, you know, now there's this stigma of him being a, a prisoner. Um, so yeah, and that's kind of what originally I thought, because if you go down there, it says that Onesiphorus, live Lord mercy to Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. It almost seeming that it was implying that these people were ashamed of his chains. So it could be um, uh, that that was the reason that they were ashamed of Paul being imprisoned. Um, or it could be that they were ashamed of what Paul taught, and they did not want to as- associate themselves with him because Paul was of sound doctrine, and he was firm on what he believed. And then being kind of influenced uh, by the world, like you said, uh, probably didn't, uh, possibly didn't care for that particular doctrine and that that what and that which Paul taught. And so um, they didn't want to associate one with him, and they turned away from him. It could possibly be a combination of both of those things, too. Regardless, they didn't want anything to do with Paul. And so uh, this, warning, this warning is for all pastors and preachers of the Word. Um, if you are faithful to the text and unwavering on the clear teaching of Scripture, then there will be many who will turn away from you. There will be many who abandon you. There will be many who probably hate you. Uh, you probably won't be the most popular t- preacher uh, with the biggest church. You probably won't be invited onto Christian radio and television. You won't be uh, put on magazine covers. Your net worth probably won't be millions and millions of dollars, like some of the preachers are, if you are faithful to the text. If you stand firm on what the Bible teaches, then you are undoubtedly uh, not going to be regarded as one of the most popular preachers of this day, like uh, Joel Osteen or something of, of that matter today. Um And once again, this isn't just a warning for pastors, uh, but it is a warning for every Christian. If you stand firm on what the Bible teaches, then people will turn away from you. You might lose friends. You might might even have family members that grow hostile towards you because you are teaching them what the Bible teaches, and, and they may not like that. And this is all part of the call to being faithful to sound doctrine. And this is what Paul experienced. This is what Timothy probably had already experienced and was going to experience, and this is what Christians today uh, will experience. So that is something that is to be expected. Any comments, questions on that? Before we we'll keep going, I think it's interesting that he named name names, but in the way he said it, he said among whom are by Jovian. As if Timothy knew who these people were, and I think the church knew who they were, and there's there are factions that when they when they start straying away they will start trying to bring as many people with them as they can mm-hmm. and so he was pointing them out specifically and it tells us today that if we see false teachers we should
1: name them so that if people are you know watching certain shows or watching certain preachers or listening to certain preachers you say no you don't listen to Kenneth Copeland, you don't listen to john Hagee, you don't listen you know you name names Mm-hmm. So, there's no, no confusion about what, what you're talking
0: about. Yeah, that's what I think it, it's possible that they were kind of the Kenneth Copelands of that day, maybe, uh, and that they were ministers who were false teachers, um, and that Paul wanted to be sure to call out so that they don't continue to lead other people astray. Go ahead, Ben. I think
2: it's also a remind, reminder that a good beginning does not necessarily guarantee a successful end. Mm-hmm. A lot of people act well. Sometimes we can even associate it hard with things like that, and over time, it just fall away. Mm-hmm. And it has happened over and over again. Right? Warning to every one of us: you know that staying in the faith is not. <laughs> if you don't keep doing what you are talking about, it's possible you can fall away. Everyone <laughs> of us, their source?
0: Yeah, uh, not having true saving faith, right? I mean, you can you can appear to have faith and maybe think you have faith. Um, and then fall away from that faith at the end, right? But uh, again, uh, kind of in connection with what we talked about last week, if, if that good work has really been begun in you by God, then it will be brought to completion, right? And a to the Old Testament character I saw. I told him,
2: so, was one of the prophets. I mean, he spoke like a prophet, but mm-hmm. eventually he was consulting mediums mm-hmm. at the end of his life. And he asked, how is that possible?'" Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you have to continually be examining yourself just to, to see uh Any of that in in yourself? Yeah. Is there any other hands? Oh, look at them. Just it makes me think of the
1: myth of the.
2: Well, how do you do those things?
0: Uh, by jealous and Onessa for us. I looked it up, so I don't know. if That's. But like how God opposes
2: proud, we get grace. That's what it makes me think of Yeah. They were like proud people, be known by the one name. Yeah. Well known or whatever. Yeah. But they're
0: not good examples mm-hmm. yeah i'm sure they probably were proud people I and mean, then we we're given an example of, of a humble person like talking about later on i don't know if we time to go over that or not um oh, we'll keep going and we'll get it through as much as we can um so then he goes on to say uh, may the lord grant mercy oh did you have something you want to say sorry i forgot <laughs> sure um <laughs> I think I it to.
1: Help. Like, to me i see almost like the way that God works for all things for good including like the examples of the past age. Um, you know it's it, i have mentioned this before but like joshua harris's apostasy really kind of messed me up for a while because you know i for years I admired him and almost kind of like wanted to be like him um but you know he totally fell away and abandoned everything that uh, he claimed to believe and even through that that becomes like a warning like not in his footsteps so even though that you know obviously what he did was sinful and you know we pray for repentance god works all things together for good even uh creatures that apostatize because they become warnings to others to not follow in their simple footsteps mm-hmm. um, and i think it kind of wraps up this whole chapter because the whole chapter has been emphasizing you know timothy don't be timid don't you know fall away don't you know guard the deposit uh basically don't be like these guys and you know i think it's helpful in our day to think like okay you know we live in a dangerous world with a lot of cultural pressure a lot of you know crazy ideologies going on um, but just you know remember somebody like Joshua Harris or you know, James McDonald or whatever these folks that have fallen away if you, you don't want to follow a
2: good
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, it is there for a good reminder for us, like and to be a warning to us uh, not to follow what they have done. Um, and so yeah, picking up then in verse sixteen, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Um, so against again this dark background of, of those two unfaithfully uh, unfaithful and really cowardly individuals in Phygellus and Hermogenes, Paul then provides an example of one who has been faithful to him, and one who has been exceedingly kind to him. And this man is Onesophorus, whose name, interestingly enough, actually means profit-bearing or bringing profit. Uh, so you can name your kid Onesiphorus if you want, but... Um, I believe it was Pastor Tim, or you, who brought up the possibility that was maybe wasn't actually a Christian. He was just somebody who was extremely helpful to Paul because if you see in verse 18, he says, May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And and you know all all the service he rendered to me. uh, So that day being the judgment day and that he's maybe praying that God would be gracious to him and grant him salvation. Uh, And looking at several commentaries. I didn't really find much specifically on that. It seemed seemed that most of them kind of assumed he was a Christian. I don't know um, for certain. Um, So it's possible that Onesiphorus was not a Christian, but was just a very helpful and kind individual, and that Paul is praying that the Lord would grant him and his unbelieving household the gift of salvation. Uh, I also think it could be that Onesiphorus was a believer, and what Paul is praying for is really just kind of a prayer in faith. Um, That is, that he trusts that God will do this but he prays for it anyway. I mean, just like if I were to, you know, I could pray for Chris, who I believe is a believer, and I could pray that the Lord would have mercy for him on that day. And that doesn't mean that I don't think Chris is a believer. It just means that I pray for him to have mercy, because we all need mercy on that day. Um, and so it could be something like that. He could possibly be praying that the Lord would, you know, give him the rewards he has stored up in heaven through his service, you know, if he is a Christian. Um, any thoughts or comments on that as to what you think? You know, what do you think he was a believer, not a believer? Do you not know? Whatever. We'll kind of finish up on that. It just
1: occurred to me, but the prayer really is for his household. If we go back to verse sixteen, mm-hmm. so maybe you know, when that's, just, when that's a forest is a believer, that his kids and wife aren't. So perhaps the mercy is seeing them also come to faith.
0: Yeah, it could be. You know, we're
1: kind of speculating,
0: right? Yeah, it does include his household there. So yeah, it's possible the rest of his family are not believers, and he's praying for for mercy um, for them. But uh, Kind of out of time here, so we'll wrap up. Any final comments, questions, before we close in prayer? All right, let's close in prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, so much for this time to gather together and to learn more about your word. We thank you for uh, the gift of your word and that we have the opportunity to study at any time uh, we, we want to, Lord. We pray that with this gift, we would um, take advantage of it. And we would study it. We would learn it. Uh, we would submit to it and make it our ultimate authority, Lord, so that it might... Um, keep us uh, on the narrow path and not lead us astray into any uh, false doctrines or false teachings. Lord, I pray that uh, through your spirit you would make these false teachings uh, known to us so that we may stay away from them and we may teach others to stay away from them as well, Lord. And I just pray uh, that you would help us to guard the good deposit that you've entrusted to each and every one of us, Lord, through your spirit. I pray for this. I pray that you would bless uh, now this service and um, be with Pastor Tim as he preaches and delivers your word. I pray that us listening would would listen and be attentive and be able to focus, Lord, and be convicted where we need it and encouraged as well. Lord, just pray for your blessing and pray that you would receive honor uh, the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen.